Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so today we're going to do something just a, a little bit different. It's not uh, trad related, but uh, we cover all kinds of stuff with my guest today, uh, a guy by the name of Garrett Prohaska. He is a uh, boat technician. He works at the uh, local archery shop over here. It's also a local outdoor store. So they got guns, they got fishing, they've got uh, archery shop, archery range, all that kind of stuff. And it's literally three minutes from my door. It's a place called Cabin Fever in Victoria, Minnesota. And uh, he is a uh, primarily a bow, uh, bow tech there. He's, he runs the archery uh, uh, shop. He's very, very knowledgeable. And uh, all, most of the people, uh, actually, I'd say all the people at that place are, are very, very knowledgeable. It's, it's a very cool place to go. And I'm very lucky to uh, be so close to a lot of knowledge and a lot of good people there. So um, we get into talking about, well, just kind of a little bit of everything. You know, we, we, we dive into his, his kind of history a little bit, how we got into, um, he was kind of in the in the hunting industry a little bit, you know, um, not super deep, but, um, you know, uh, on the production side of things and then uh you know moved over into uh you know running a bow shop and that kind of stuff we kind of get into i i guess i wanted his opinions on what it's like kind of working behind the counter and what he sees day to day from the interactions that he has which is way more interactions than than i than i do okay so obviously because he because he sees so many people during during the course of the week, uh, brand new people, uh, men, women, kids, uh, hunters, non-hunters, uh, you know, the old timers, the newcomers, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, we, we get into some, some pretty cool stuff. Some of it, uh, you know, we, we talk, uh, you know, j- just normal, like, like techie kind of stuff and other stuff we talk about, uh, you know, like regulations and crossbows and more kind of touchy subjects, if you will. And just, you know, things that require a little bit, a little bit deeper thoughts. So we, we go all over the board with this one. Um, he's a super articulate guy, very, very smart. Uh, I enjoy talking to him every time I go in there because the, the, the shooting lanes are literally like right, like just, you know, a couple yards away from, uh, the, the archery desk over there. So between shots like he and I are always talking, uh, especially if they're there's like no one in there or, or it's pretty dead so I thought hey you know you need to come on the podcast and uh, we need to we need to hash out uh, you know more more about you so I'm really really glad you did that I really appreciate it definitely would like to have him on again for like part two sometime down the road uh, we didn't even touch on you know certain things that uh, I'm sure you know we, we could we could talk for hours and hours on so Anyway, that's it. So uh, this episode will come out probably, well, you're hearing this kind of three weeks after I probably recorded this. So uh, it will be probably, what, first week of May, second, something like that. Right now it's like the 20-somethingth, I think. It's the 20... 23rd 20th of April so anyway it'll come it'll it'll come out into May so uh, turkey seasons will have been in full swing pretty much all around the country and uh, I'm gonna try to get out as much as I can uh, I may only be able to go out middays uh, you know maybe once a week or maybe once or twice a week but that's fine um, still tinkering around I just got my new uh, Java man Elkhart sweet sweet bow um, just beautiful beautiful bow and um, I'm uh, I'm tuning. That. I think I need new arrows. I'm kind of in between, like I was with the Pika, where uh, I don't have uh, uh, a heavy enough arrow that is spined correctly in the, in, in the weight that I want without being just ridiculously too 
you know nose heavy kind of thing and uh the the, the arrows that i do have right now in the, in the lower spines um or the weaker spines rather they are just they're, they're not as heavy as i want it to be because this thing shoots so fast it's shooting a little high for me still trying to tune off the shelf um and i knew going into this that i was going to have to you know shoot arrows off the shelf and i'm not going to be able to shoot a, a bare weather rest or anything like that like i do on my recurves hey that's just part of uh the um you know the allure of, of of this kind of bow it's just absolutely gorgeous i will do a video on it i don't know if it's going to be out by the time this um uh, podcast comes out but anyway i've i've put out some other stuff I, I did a video on the bear grizzly i did a video on um that northern miss classic uh, i've also started doing uh, we just got a jeep we got a used jeep and uh I started to kind of like a little mini series on the Bowhunting Soul YouTube channel where uh, my daughter and I, we kind of put together, uh, we, we put on some, you know, easy to do modifications kind of thing. So, you know, like grill inserts and, you know, antenna and like uh, grab handles and uh, sidesteps, that kind of stuff. So she, she wanted to kind of be on um, uh, YouTube a little bit. And uh, I said, okay, well, under, under daddy's supervision, you know, cause we're still kind of, kind of wary about, you're always worried about your kids being on, you know, on, on. Well, basically on, on video anywhere, right? So, um, but that, that's that's kind of something that we're working on. So if you guys are into any kind of modifications for uh, for your uh, trucks or, you know, you have kids or whatever, that'd be kind of a good one to watch. We're just doing like a little daddy-daughter, uh, uh, you know, wrenching on, a, wrenching on a car series. So that's, that's kind of something I started and it's turning out pretty cute. So anyway... Um, that's it. I guess uh, I guess with that said, I'm not going to talk any longer. So we'll get right into the conversation here I had with Garrett Prohaska. Yeah, my computer's just been like extra slow for some reason. Mine has been today too. I work it was horrible. It seemed like it, we had to reset the server a few times just to place orders and do random things. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I've got um, yeah. Anyway, no, whatever. We're 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 talking. <laughs> I, I, I never start one of these things without some sort of stupid comment about how bad my connection is or or, <laughs> or, or whatever. But we were at least able to hook up on Skype, you know, uh, pretty yeah. pretty quickly, which is which is a miracle. It decided that it wanted to uh, let people connect today. So um, so I, I'm, I'm talking to Garrett. Pro, it's Prochaska, right? Is that how you say your last name? Uh, close enough. It's Prohaska. Oh, Prohaska. OK. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, so, Garrett, you are. Um, you're like the guy I talk to while I'm shooting my bow at like six o'clock in the morning or whenever there's no one there at the local pro shop, which is literally like three minutes away from me. Right. Um, so do you want to kind of just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and just give a quick, you know, who am I and what do I do kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So my name is Garrett Prohaska. I, uh, I run, uh, an archery shop, um, in Victoria, Minnesota called Cabin Fever Sporting Goods. We do a multitude of different things, uh, guns, ammo, uh, fishing tackle, live bait, I mean, that whole thing. And then we do have a uh, archery shop in the back of it, and uh, we sell, obviously, tons of bows and work on them, fix them, arrows, the whole gambit. Um, we do have an indoor range there, and that's kind of <clears throat> how I met Emra. Um, he's a customer of mine. He comes in and shoots, and we just kind of get to talking here and there. And um, we've, we've talked about a few different topics um, that, you know, some controversial, some new age kind of technology stuff, uh, mostly all pertaining to like the outdoors, hunting and um, archery on that side of it, too. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we met this connection. And we got to talking one day and just said, you know what, would you want to be on a podcast and talk about some of the stuff that we literally sit here and talk about when I'm in shooting my bow anyways? I said, sure. And you know, 
it's like um I, I don't know that a lot of places have this and it's it's great if they do but i feel like it's like the modern version of like the barbershop you know what i mean where like yeah where like it may sound sexist, but today, but like when men go to you know when men go to to gossip, you know, and instead of like you yeah. know like women women in the you know in those big bubble air dryers, you know, gossiping about this and that or giving opinions about stuff, right. it's uh, it's guys because I mean guys like old, old guys will show up there just to sit around and kind of lean against the counter and drink coffee at Absolutely. six a.m. You know what I mean? Yep. Which is yep. awesome. You know, oh, and, and I'll come in and, and I haven't been able to do it much um, because my schedules have kind of all changed. But I mean, I used to be there at like 6 a.m. There's nobody there at 6 a.m. Yep. You know, kind of had like the run of the place and I'd be the one shooting and stuff. But um, yeah, and it's great because the, the archery range is literally right. You know, um, the, the line where you stand is only like a few feet away from, you know, the counter where you, yep. you know, or anybody else working back there is, is kind of standing there doing doing their thing. So we get to chit chat a lot. You know, we get we get to talk about just pretty much anything, whether it's like local politics, um, big day in Minnesota politics, by the way, don't want to get yeah. into that too, too, yeah. getting that too much, but you know, that, uh, that Derek Chauvin, um, uh, you know, verdict came in and stuff. So, um, I hope, I hope they're not burning down the city in celebration because it seems like that's the thing to do no matter what you just kind of burn down cities and stuff. But, um, we're, 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 we're a little, uh, removed from that. And, um, in a good way, you know, we're, we're, um, I, I like the burps. So, um, I, I really wanted John because like I said, we talk a lot about just random stuff and I'm like, okay, well, I've never had a guy come on that is a, I'm going to call you, I know it's a douchey term, but I, but I, like an in, like industry insider, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. you work in a pro shop, you deal with a yeah. lot of people and we can get into this too, as you know, however deep you want to, you actually were on some pro staff for, for a couple different companies and stuff too. So yeah. you've kind of done all that. You even had a podcast, I think you said, right? You and your buddy were starting to do this uh, a while back, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, we started, uh, I, I don't even know if it ever took off or if he's still doing it. Um, it was a bow hunter and fitness podcast that he started and he, um, has his own website and everything. It's a bow hunter, bow hunter and, or bow hunting and fitness. I think is actually what it's called. Um, good buddy of mine, Ryan, he's, he's really big into the industry and stuff too. And, um, you know, when you get around like-minded people, especially with archery stuff, it's, it's a, it's a huge community, but you know, once you get into it more and more, it seems like it gets tighter knit, the more you kind of pursue it um but yeah so it's it's cool to do these things i've i've been fortunate enough yeah to be you know um on a few different you know archery uh brand names for as, as far as bows bow brands um to be pro shooters for them um i've i've done the competitive thing you know asa pro-am 3d stuff um got in i know amber is a big traditional archery guy i got into traditional archery stuff um i'm a nasp coach um nfaa certified and some of that stuff too uh, as far as, I guess, lessons and that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm fortunate enough to be able to attend, you know, the ATA shows and see all this new product and meet all these new people and got to know quite a few people in the industry, um, through doing that. So, um, it's, it's been a cool, fun ride. Now you said you, um, one of the ones that stand out was, were you, were you a cameraman for Fred Eichler or you were on production for him or something like that? Yeah. Is that so, right? I got in with a, a buddy, um, his name's Christian Hoffman, and he, I think, I'm not going to quote, don't quote me on it, but so he got into the outdoor industry of filming, and he, his dad actually used to run um, in Fisherman, and so we got to talk, and, and I've helped him out with some stuff, and yeah, we've done stuff with Fred Eichler, and 
he kind of travels all over doing that stuff still. And I kind of split ties and ended up doing the whole bow shop thing. But um, yeah, as far as for that goes, he's a cool dude. Talked to him several times. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've never met anybody um, like I, I've met plenty, plenty of like quote unquote famous people, but not in the, in the hunting world. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I always, um, I, in my old job, right. I always used to say, you know, to tell people, uh, when, when they ask about this, this or that, or whatever, I say, never meet your heroes. Right. Okay. There, there's, there's a term out there. Never meet your heroes. Cause they're always going to let you down. They're not what you think they are. They're not what you see on TV. Um, for as much as I can from, from gather from anybody that's actually like, t- you know, firsthand, uh, Eichler seems to be like a pr- pretty solid, like genuine dude, you know, kind of like what, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Yes. Um, a hundred percent. He is rock solid dude. I've got, like I said, I've talked to him a few times here and there. Um, and also through, um, like the ATA shows and stuff, we got to chat and then he is, he's a jokester. He will kid around with you and you'll have fun. And, um, He's just a, I guess the way you put it and the way you describe him is it about sums it up. Really genuine dude. Um, He's a phenomenal shot with the recurve and, you know, he's obviously had his own show and doing all that fun stuff. Um, But he's just down to earth, you know, willing to give you the shirt off his back if you're having to run into him. Um, Obviously, if you needed it, I would say he wouldn't, I'd hope he wouldn't just give it to you for fun, but. um, (laughs) You never know. uh, Yeah, maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, he's just all around a great guy and, uh, the stuff he puts out, um, is great content. You know, I feel like a lot of the things he preaches and does, um, is kind of a, it's, it's not the norm or the cool standard and he still sticks with his guns and shoots the same bows and same broadheads and everything he's been shooting for years. So it's cool to see. Yeah. And he doesn't run around and be dazzle jeans and, uh, right. affliction, affliction shirts either at uh, trade shows apparently. So that's, right. that's always a good thing. So, um, so how did you make the switch to, um, you know, go, go from doing that? Right. I mean, I, I'm guessing I'm, I'm making a big leap here, but I mean, did you grow up hunting? Was it, was it something you did, you know, for a while? Um, yeah. and then kind of just kind of arc your way into how you, how you got working in a bow shop. Yeah. So I, this is super random, but yeah. Um, or I shouldn't say random, but roundabout. Um, I grew up, yes, I grew up in a hunting family. Um, my dad, he was a really big pheasant hunter and, um, and a deer hunter, but, uh, we grew up in a small town in Southern Minnesota and, you know, it was deer hunting was a source of meat, you know, it was, it was a harvest kind of thing. It wasn't really looked at as far as like what, what I do now. Um, it was to do deer drives and, and, you know, put the brown it's down kind of mentality. And that was, you know, we did that and there'd be a huge party of guys that we'd all hunt with and shoot a whole bunch of deer and we'd all process them together. And, you know, that was, that was meat for the rest of the year. Um, and it actually started, you know, I got, went to firearm safety and I, um, and I, and I completed that and I went deer hunting that fall and I, and I'm sure I'll get some slack for this, but I doing that, I said, you know what, this is too, easy i i don't get a, i don't get joy out of this um so that spring <clears throat> my brother who, who was another huge mentor in my life he uh is a, was a big turkey hunter and he said hey you want to go turkey hunting me this spring i said yeah but i think i want to do it with a bow instead of a gun and at the time growing up you know turkey licenses were kind of a coveted thing not not as i mean they still are but they're much harder to get back then but archery you could just buy it over the counter and um you got the last two weeks to hunt 
and of the season. And so he said, well, do you even own a bow? And I said, no, I, I don't, but I could probably find one. And I shot a buddy's dad's um, Browning Mirage, and it was nowhere near set to the right length or anything for me. But I'll tell you what, I had a blast. I shot the heck out of that thing, and I, I actually harvested my first turkey that spring with the bow. And since then, you know, I was kind of hooked, and I started deer hunting more and more with it. Um, you know, obviously turkey hunting again with it and starting to realize that there's more important things that go into this than what I think. I kind of got a lesson learned really young in life that, uh, it, it can't just pick something up and shoot it and be good, you know, it, and, uh, especially if it's not set up anywhere near correctly for you. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how my archery thing started. Um, oddly enough, how I got into the industry was actually through a different realm of the outdoor community. It was through waterfowl hunting. Um, I grew up with one of my good buddies, Jay, um, he, him and I were competition. This is going to sound really dumb, but competition duck and goose callers. Okay. And, um, so he was the duck guy and I was the goose guy and we traveled around and, and went to all these competitions and competed. And, you know, we started getting on all these different pro staffs and, um, you know, we were young. I mean, we were 13 at the time and oh, meeting all these people and, uh, going and, and, luckily enough like our, my parents and his parents are nice enough to drive us all over the country and go to these events and these contests and it was something we're really passionate about and so we kind of stuck with that and that's what got me into the filming thing you know went through college for that and you know on and off bow hunted quite a bit obviously my the way i looked at bow hunting then was um especially for deer as well there's no birds around anymore they they all migrated south we need we're waiting for the next push of birds to come out of canada so might as well bow hunt this week you know and, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And so that was kind of started and then obviously progressed into that, uh, finding more and more passion. And as I got older, I think I got obviously a little bit more patient and uh, realized that it's it's kind of nice just to sit up there in, in peace and be quiet. And and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how all that started. And then from there, you know, I did a bunch of random jobs here and there and got out of college and and traveled around doing the filming thing and this and that and ended up working for a, actually to a fireworks manufacturing company and i one day i walked into cabin fever and i had been going there since i was a kid and um jeff i was helping some people on the range when they were swamped and he looks at me and said you looking for a job and i said actually yeah he goes well when can you start i said tomorrow i said i'll see you tomorrow and that's <laughs> that was six years ago so it's kind of where i've been at that that's awesome i didn't know that um so so where did you learn to uh um to to tune like where'd you learn all the tech side you know i mean because you you know you're a bow tech there obviously and you know did did you kind of learn on your own while you were kind of picking up the bow and figuring out how to shoot the thing or or was it like kind of formal after you started yeah so it was um you know and i'll kind of that i'll back it up then um when I was a kid, uh, there's a guy that used to work at Cabin Fever. Uh, his name is Neil, and he's still—I think he's still doing Botex, or he's still a bow technician. Um, he last I heard, he was working at All Seasons in Delano. But uh, this—he was there, and when I would go in there, um, I would just sit there and talk to him and pick his brain. And I was young, and I would go in there and to shoot my bow, and I'd see him, and I'd be like, "Oh, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm." restringing a bow and i would watch him and and he i said oh you know why do you do that and i'm probably i probably annoyed the heck out of him 
uh, asked him all these questions, but I was young and I, it, I thought it was really interesting. And he, he was nice enough. He was super patient, nice. And he taught me a lot of that stuff. So at a young age, I started messing around with, you know, um, fletching my own arrows, um, trying different style veins, um, different weighted arrows, um, you know, different helicals and offsets and that kind of pinnacled into, well, you know what? I, I was also a cheap, I was a cheap kid and, you know, kids don't have a lot of money. And so I found a buddy's uncle that had a bow press that he wasn't using. And so he was like, I asked him if I could have, it. he said, yeah, I, I haven't touched that thing in forever. And so I had my own bow press at 16 and I, instead of having to pay somebody to do my own strings, I had found a guy that was making strings and I would put new strings on my bow and I would tune other people's bows up and, you know, and I, I just kind of use this press as, you know, a way to make some side cash also just to figure things out. And, and honestly, at that point, it was a lot of trial and error. That was, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years old now, which I'm not old by any means, but, uh, it was a lot of trial and error. I didn't have, you know, YouTube at my fingertips to figure this stuff out. And so, um, yeah, you know, you, you figure out things and you, and you read books at the time I'd read books and I'd rent or, uh, go to the library and get books and, um, buy these books that I found on online or well, not online, but, um, oh man, what was, it was like a magazine that, that had archery stuff. And there was like tuning books. It was like a Lancaster, but I can't remember the company. Yeah. Um, and I, buy these tuning books and um i'm like oh that's how you do that and i would you know six and three twists here and there and this oh that all makes so much sense and so yeah that's kind of how i got into doing that so i was my self-taught my own bow technician for a long time and and then um you know the same thing going through the industry and progressing more into that and meeting more people and they're like oh yeah you should you should do this and that and they would show me you know, why it would work certain ways, why, what a control cable does on a compound, what a, why, why cable's important, you know, and all these things for tuning and it, it was a breeze. And, and then when I, obviously when I got to cabin fever, I had a little bit more formal training. Um, you know, I was, we went through the Matthew schools and the Hoyt schools and, you know, there was people from the companies that would come in and teach us how to do these things and, um, you know, and importance of arrows and spining and, looking up spine charts and trying to figure that out. And and so that was kind of how it all progressed into what it is now. And I just kind of, I guess, retain the knowledge. And I mean, to be honest, I, I think I can safely say this is everybody, but we're all still learning every day. I mean, the, the industry is evolving and things are getting crazier and crazier. And so we're, we're still in a learning curve to try to figure everything out, but I feel like I got a good grasp on what I, what I need to know. Yeah, no, that that sounds very similar. I mean, aside from the, you know, going to the, you know, Matthews and Hoyt, whatever schools and stuff, but yeah. kind of the same way, you know, when, when I, when I started and it's probably about the same time, I guess, like when I really got into uh, like, like tuning my compounds and things like that, it was, it was trial and error. We didn't have podcasts really. Yep. Um, there was no YouTube, you know, there was, but I mean, there wasn't like, a hundred channels on telling you how to do something. It was, you know, I, at the time I, I wasn't even on YouTube kind of thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, try a lot of trial and error and a lot of, a lot of the stuff I did, I bought that Bowmaster bow press, you know, oh, yeah. so, <laughs> and, and, and I learned to do a lot of that stuff on, on that, the, the bow that's hanging right now up for, for consignment, basically, yep. um, in, in your shop. Yep. And, um, yeah, yeah, same kind of deal. And I think that's the best way, you know, I, I oh, had yeah. this conversation with, 
I can't remember who it was, but read, you know, on the podcast sometime. And it's one thing to go and be like, how do I blah, 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 type it in. And it's like, here you go. But yeah. I think you lose out a little bit on the trial and error of the, the critical thinking, like, okay, well, why didn't this work? It should have worked. And then, um, then you try something else and it's like, well, why the hell did this work? And it's like, oh, okay. I didn't account yeah. for, you know, it, you know, a plus B should have equaled C, but I didn't yeah, account right. for, you know, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's, in my opinion, that's, that's kind of the best way to learn. I, I have more trust in people that, yep. that do it that way than are just told, you know, do this and never yep. have like a deep understanding of the why. It's kind of like, you know, and you know, my daughter's, you know, show your work, you know, when you're doing math kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So it's, 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 it's kind of like that. So, um, yeah. Okay. So you're, you're, you're working there. Um, do you, you might get this question a lot, but do you get to actually like shoot a lot for yourself? I know you go and like, if you tune a bow, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll kind of take like a shot or two, um, just yep. to see, you know, just to check stuff, just to check flight or bear shaft tuning or whatever. But yep. do you, do you get time to actually just, just, just relax and just, just shoot for Garrett just for shits and giggles? <laughs> you know, every now and then, um, it's, it, you know, it comes down to like, I guess you just said, you know, when a, when a customer brings their bow in and I, I've been to a lot of shops and I've, you know, been a customer at different shops and I've actually been, you know, as far as checking them out, friends that, that work at other shops and checked out how they do things. And back to, I mean, this is kind of roundabout, but back to what we were talking about, um, I, I like learning. I like seeing things that other people do too. And, you know, some people have really great ideas on like, oh, well, that makes way more sense. So much more simple. And, um, some people I'm like, why would you do it that way when you can just do it this way? And it's so much simpler. And they're like, oh man, I never thought of that. Like, that's great. Mm -hmm. So, uh, with that being said, you, when I get a customer's bow in and whether it's a restringing or, um, you know, which is another good thing to do before the season comes, it's like a tune up, um, all that stuff. I, I spend probably more time on their bow than I, I should or what I need to do. Um, but I'm a perfectionist. And so it's tough sometimes because it'll be, I'll, I'll have that. I won't put that bow down until I'm a hundred percent certain that the, everything, the rest, the site, the bow itself, camp timing, rest timing, you know, everything's perfect arrows tuned. Um, and so usually, you know, I take a majority of my time to do that, but every now and then I'll get, I'll get a chance to, uh, to shoot a little bit there. And actually tonight, um, I know you're a traditional guy. There was a customer that had brought in a bunch of old um, uh, Ben Pearsons and uh, Damon Howitt uh, recurves. And I saw those there, yeah. Yeah, there's an old uh, Ben Pearson Colt. And uh, I saw that thing, and I was kind of eyeing it up, and I said, that thing is sweet. And so tonight I was fortunate enough. I, I, had a, I was done with all the bows, and it was kind of getting close to the end of the night, and I had all my stuff done, and I said, you know what, I'm going to shoot that thing. And I'll be, that thing shot really well. So I, really? it's cool every now and then to yeah, just grab one and just shoot for fun. Cause usually it seems like you get a couple arrows shot out of one. You're like, I'm going to shoot this bow. And somebody comes in and obviously you gotta, you gotta work. So you gotta go help them out. But, uh, yeah, there's every now and then I'll get a chance to kind of play with some, some new stuff in there. Yeah. And then the phone's always ringing too, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The so phone. <laughs> I, I noticed that, you know, you and I will be talking and it's like ring, ring, you know? And I'm like, damn it the phone call i'm like wait a minute he's actually working <laughs> yeah right it's you know? that phone is it's nuts i mean obviously i, I have a job dude there's a reason i'm there but uh yeah. 
yeah, sometimes I want to chuck that phone across the room. It's like you answer phone call, you hang up, you answer another one, you hang up. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there trying to talk to you or trying to talk to any customer. And I'm like, hey, sorry, hold on. Uh, sorry, hold on, you know. And uh, yeah, so it gets frustrating. But So let's get into the customer side of stuff, right? Um, you deal, you You deal with a a ton of people you deal with guys that have been going there apparently you know obviously from i don't know them all but you know i've seen them there for years or the way if someone comes in and the way they're talking to you they have some history right with the shop right. or with you or, or jeff or whatever and jeff's yep. the owner by the way um right. yep. so um do you do you what do you see as far as like people coming in are they typically like hey i want to learn how to do this and they bring it in the first few times and then they kind of soak up that knowledge and then attempt to do it themselves. Or do you mostly see people that are like, here, do it for me. I just want it done right. And then they don't they don't care. It's kind of like the guy that takes the car to a mechanic. I don't want to open up the hood. I don't care. Just fix it. Versus yeah. like, hey, I'm going to dig in and learn how to change my own oil or something like that. Right. You know, it's, it's so across the board, to be honest. Um, I get, I get people, that, you know, of all spectrum. So there'll be people that'll come in and be like, here it is. I want it worked on. They, they don't even know if it needs to be worked on or they don't even care. You know, like kind of the, one of the, one, like one of the guys you mentioned, like, I'm just dropping this off. I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to it? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, just look <laughs> it over. Um, okay. Sounds good. And then I get guys and gals in, you know, the middle of the road that are, like, hey, uh, I need this done on this, and I need this done on this because this is happening, and I'm getting kind of this weird aero flight or this or that, and uh, you know, I'll say, okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll I'll run through the checklist. I'll make sure you know it's all tuned up. And then I get guys that you know, literally, they um, they want they bring in everything themselves, and they just want to bum some press time or something, you know, mm -hmm. or uh, or sit and watch me do it, or you know, stuff like that. Um, it's it's through all walks of life to be honest with you i think more and more in the last year um since a lot of people are stuck at home and a lot of people picked up archery as a new hobby that there was a lot of people that were really getting into it um more than ever i will say um almost almost like when they come in and you start talking to them there and it they make you think like, are you supposed to be working here or am I supposed to be working here? Like, do you want to take my spot? Cause it seems like, you know, it and uh, you know, and they're just like, Oh, I would do it, but I don't have a press. And I'm like, well, there you go. You can have, there's a presser there. I'll let you use it if you want, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it gets, it, um, it, it gets interesting. Sometimes um, you get people that, you know, and, I, and I'm more than willing to help out anybody in that because that's how I started. And, you know, I've, I have a few techs um, that I've trained in and they're, they're younger kids. Like one of them, is, uh, his name's Cole and he's 17 and he's been a customer of mine since he was like seven. And, um, you know, he's learning. It's cool to see him learning these things and picking mm -hmm. it up. And, and there's customers that are doing the same thing, which is cool. But then there's sometimes you get those people, which just like any job um, that that tell you you're doing it wrong. You know, and, and it's like, well, you know, you almost have to talk them off a ledge every, with every step you take. Um, oh, why are you tying the rest in that way? It's like, well, because, you know, it's four inches from the D-loop down. This is where I'm going to tie it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Why do you tie it in that way? You should be tying it in this way. It's like, okay, well, you, do you want to do it maybe? And then I can watch you. I, I don't know. I mean, like, sometimes it gets frustrating with that. But uh, Have you ever fired a customer? 
fired a customer like yeah. got like kicked him out yeah like so, okay like what you're just talking about like okay smart smart guy like what you know yeah. you're complaining right. too much you're you're bitching but you don't know what you're talking about just i, I don't want your business you know and i personally i guess maybe because i'm just too nice of a guy i have personally never done that um i can't say the same for every store so i'm sure i'm sure it's happened um usually what happens is in that case scenario um I just ask them to elaborate, um, explain to me why you would do it that way. And then usually the reference comes up from some YouTube video. They watched a guy that did this or did that. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, that's his opinion. Um, if you want me to do it that way, I can. Um, but I normally do it this way. And I explain to him the reason why. Um, and usually 99% of the time, they're like, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. And they'll, they'll usually side with me um but that is yeah the, the youtube thing is the, we call them the online bow technicians they um mm-hmm. they they there's definitely quite a few more of them people out there a lot a lot of bro science right they call that bro science i hear it referred to a lot sure. um you know same deal backyard backyard technician and yep. i gotta say i mean i'm guilty of it too right i'm not a professional yep. and a lot of stuff that you know and i, and I put out videos about lots of videos yep. um but it, it, at least I, I guess I'm kind of defending myself, but I, I try to approach it from like, okay, here's what I've tried and here's why I'm saying this works for me. And here's my data to, you know, to yep. not data, yep. but, um, uh, cause, cause there's, there's, there's actual guys that do like actual data, right? There's, uh, right. there's a guy named Cody Greenwood. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's kind of like, um, kind of known in, in the trad world. Now he, he runs a company or, or, or a website called trad lab. And uh, most people listening to this podcast will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, in the past several years, you know, he's 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 like a like a process engineer or something like that by trade, I think. And okay. he's approached um, uh, it ruffled a lot of feathers, you know, no pun intended, like literally like ruffled a lot of like trad feathers from um, from kind of analyzing these these commonly held like beliefs and, and, and myths and whatever in in the traditional world that used to be so like mystifying you know and that the old timers really didn't want to give up their secrets well old timers a lot of them didn't know what the hell was happening they just knew something happened well right. you know cody would go in and kind of break all the stuff down and say well no this is what's really happening kind of thing and uh you know they you know he mentions like bro science a lot versus actual like i mean he's got he's like full-on into uh you know like like actually recording data and slow-mo stuff and sensors and this, that, and the other. I mean, really, really cool shit. You know what I mean? But for the rest of us, we got to kind of get by on, Hey, here's the best I can, you know, control my, uh, like any like scientists would, right? Here's, here's the best things that I can control. Um, and, and, and have like one outcome and see what the outcome is going to be. Um, if you're approaching it that way and you're genuinely telling people, whether on a podcast or a channel or whatever, like this is why I came to this conclusion, I think that's okay. But by no means is that the end all be all. You know, like anyone that watches my stuff, please go out and watch like 10 other videos because I guarantee you there's going to be 10 other videos and whatever the hell I'm t- talking about. You know, and then you, you try it yourself and, yep. and you learn, you know, and what works for you. And, you know, and what I tell what I tell everybody because we get we get this a lot is um, the contradictories, you know, of archery. And I have, I have customers that will say this person's video, and then he's telling me to do it this way, and then I watch this person's videos, and he's telling me to do it a completely different way. And you know, then I watch this person's video, and he's got a you know a third opinion that's mm-hmm. non it's not correlative to any of the other guys that they're saying. 
and you know and i the biggest thing and this is it's an age-old kind of saying but archery is just about consistency um and it's about repetition and regardless of traditional or compound or even crossbow anything like that it it just comes down to if you can do something the exact same way every single time um you're probably going to be okay regardless of running xyz products um they're not going to help you i mean they might help you shoot better but um at the end of the day too you just gotta you gotta work on you and be able to do the same thing every single time Mm -hmm. um and when that comes down to too is find somebody that you know obviously i i recommend people to try different things you know it's it's okay to try different things and and if it doesn't work obviously you know it, it didn't work for you um but with that being said you got to find somebody that's consistent with you um if you try their stuff um their methods you know their tactics so to speak and it works really well and you're seeing progress then then just kind of keep going with that and and you found something that works um i've seen guys that i've shot with you know shot against um that i was absolutely blown away at their form um like how are the how is this person hitting that target you know yeah, their draw, their stance, their everything is just so unorthodox. And you watch them shoot, and they hit the ten ring, and they they don't come out of it. And so, at that point, it's like, well, I'm proven wrong. You know, at that point, whatever he's doing, he's got it down to the point where he is very consistent. And so, it, at the end of the day, he can do that, and that's fine. And you can do your own thing too. That's all right. Um, and it, that's the beauty of archery too. Is it's not cookie cutter. It's not, you know, A equals B equals C. You know, it's, you can, everything can run and correlate together or go against each other, but it's, it's what fits you and what's comfortable to you. Cause that, you know, like I know you and I've talked about if there was one bow company that had every single thing to it, you know, dead in the hand, fastest bow, lightest bow, blah, 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 every, you know, there'd be one bow company. Uh, the market would be really weird at that point. And, you know, the same thing with arrows and, and, you know, everything it's it, at the end of the day, the outcome, you can, everybody can get to the same outcome. It's just a matter of how you're going to get there, you know, or what you like, what you feel, um, what works best for you. I mean, in, in reality. Yeah. Um, very, a very good point there. I think <clears throat> we see that a lot in, in the traditional side, definitely. Mm-hmm with um kind of the old versus new that i was just referencing a little bit ago um you know it's fine to come in with you know trying to apply science and data and that kind of stuff to it right to really understand what's going on and actually fine-tune the equipment fine-tune the flight you know perfect arrow flight perfect it's all that's not um you see a lot of pushback from like traditionalists who've been doing this for a long time Mm -hmm. um and, you know, some of them are crusty curmudgeons, some of them are not, but, you know, they're the guys that for, you know, the last 30 years have been consistently shooting deer. They may not have the best form. They may not have perfectly flying arrows. Their right. spines may be completely wrong. The arrow may come off the bow sideways, so sideways that the back whacks the, uh, the riser and straightens the arrow out before it goes and they'd never know it. Okay. Right. But they still kill stuff. Meanwhile, yep. I haven't shot shit with mine. So who am I to say? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not it's 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 the whole thing being a hunter and woodsman and all that. It's not just about um, tuning and stuff. But 
you know, the, the part that I can control, like you mentioned being a perfectionist, right? I mean, yep. you see how often like I change shit up and I go back and I tune a little bit here and I go back and I change, you know what I mean? Yep. So yep. as long as I can, if I can control something that day, you know, it makes me feel better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and the rest is going to have to play out in hunting season, I suppose. Yep. hundred percent. And that's, you know, as far as me, like, so I'm majority a compound bow shooter and, um, you know, there's, there's things that see, I, I don't know, maybe, if, maybe I got my tinkering all out of me, but it seems like when I find something that works and works really well, um, I don't, I just tend not to touch it. I'm just like, yep, that's it. We're good. Um, you know, and I, I still do my due diligence, you know, obviously I shoot my bows a ton. Um, and I, I go in, you know, a couple times a year and just make sure tune it up, make sure it's good. Shooting bullet holes, bear shaft tuning, you know, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as it goes, it's the, if the bow, you know, and a lot of it too, is like doing what I do for work. It's okay. The, I can eliminate the bow as a cause, you know, like eliminate the arrow as a cause. And then there's obviously days that I, it's me hundred, it's always all, it's always the shooter. Usually, mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't say that. Obviously there's problems with that, with the rest and stuff like that. But, you know, there's days that I'll pick that bow up and I will be, shooting great i mean to 80 yards i can you know hit exactly what i mean i can put a great group together um then there's days at 40 yards i I fall apart and and the perfectionist in me it wants to fix it but a lot of times too with archery it's a mental thing too if sometimes you just can't do it and i know it's not the bow i know it's not my arrow and so you look back and you're like what am i doing wrong you know and that's when you almost got to take a like a step back and look at yourself and be like okay well uh yeah i'm i'm overextending my arm i'm you know doing this i'm doing that um man i'm just gonna take a little break and then you give yourself a little like hour break go back and you shoot great and sometimes that's just sometimes that's what you need for you know form and shooting habit too just need to walk away you know yeah. just just even for the day or for a few hours or whatever it is and yep. no i agree do you ever get frustrated with um with 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 all the tuning that you do, a customer brings in a bow, and you've got this thing just like just tuned to the hilt, right? Oh, it's yeah. per, and it's shooting out of your hand, perfect. Every, everyone's different. Everyone's grip yep, grip's yep. going to be different, you know. Yep. Um, it's kind of like when someone brings something to you to say, "Hey, bear shaft tune this." Well, your bear shaft is not going to be the same as my bear shaft out of that right. same bow, right. but yep. you tune this stuff. It's perfect, mm-hmm. and you know, it's terrible to say, but let's just say this person is like completely sloppy in form, completely yep. whatever. And it's like, yep. man, this is wasted on this guy, <laughs> you know, but they still yeah. keep, you know, and they may complain about something, let's say, uh, yep. and you gotta, I'm, I'm guessing you kind of got to bite your lip and be like, dude, it's, it's not the bow. Right. You know, you know, and there is there, you know, that does happen. Um, when I first started doing this, I, um, you know, and this is kind of where that perfectionist thing kind of slacks a little bit, but I would, I would sit there and I would take that bow and I would, everything would be perfect. And I would sight that bow in, let's say it was a, they bought a brand new bow and I would set it up and I would sight it in and I would do everything. And I'm, I could put, you know, obviously we have a 20 yard, only a, just a 20 yard indoor range, but I could put, I would be afraid to shoot at the same spot twice. Cause I'd be breaking arrows and, um, you know, they come in and they're, and it's all over the place. And I, I quickly learned, uh, okay, yeah, not even close as anybody shoot the same, you know. Um, but but part of the fun in that and the experience is what are you doing differently than me kind of thing, right? Yeah. And you kind of start dissecting it. And um, and you, you show people, 
um, these little form tweaks that make a huge difference. And, you know, one of my favorite things, especially with kids is, you know, um, grip and, and just bow arm control, um, you know, without touching, I'll be like, without touching your sight, you know, we're shooting way to the left, but I'll show you a couple of things and, and we're going to hit bullseyes and they're like, nah, no way. And then you show them and it's like, whoa, they work kind of thing. And, um, it, it's, it's cool to see, but, but sometimes, you know, you, you can, you can teach old dogs new tricks, but not every old dog, you know, sometimes <laughs> people come in and it's just, that's the way it is and they're not willing to change. And, and so you kind of, sometimes you have to manipulate the rest or the, you know, the setup for them just to help them shoot better. Um, what about when that old dog asks for help and yep. you offer help and that old dog doesn't want to change their bow? That old dog being a guy named Dave, he'll never listen to this. <laughs> you know, I love him to death, right? Great, yeah. great guy, you know, but he, he's always, he'd always ask me like, okay, can, can you watch me? Am I creeping? Am I, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Yeah. And, and, and I, I it was a couple few weeks ago. Um, I said, well, what, he had his knock height like an inch and a quarter high. Okay. No joke. Inch and yeah. a quarter high. We measured yeah. it. Okay. And I'm like, well, dude, this is part of your problem here and you've only got you know one knock point but you know which is fine if it if you know if you no. have a, a tight enough knock uh, uh you know uh knock fit on, on your string but i mean this thing was just like you know zipping up and down like like a like a fireman sliding down a grease pole you know right. and yep. and i'm like well you got to do this he's like no no no, i don't want to change any of that stuff i'm like well dave you're asking for help man but th this is like number one here you know <laughs> like you, you know yep. and and i shot it and you know uh, whatever but pe people are like kind of unwilling and it will actually we, we slow mode he go i said look i'll slow mo you you um uh shooting and we'll see yep. and i'll show you how much you're creeping forward number one well mm -hmm. he was creeping forward but then in the slow-mo we caught uh man i shit you not the arrow the entire way from the 20 yard line all the way down to the target was i uh, it's gotta be like the back of the arrow was at least an inch higher than the front than the nose i mean oh, it was literally like, I mean, just, just, yeah, like plowing, um, the, the entire way, not, it wasn't yeah. nose diving. It came off the bow, like, you know, super, super, super tail high. And it oh. went the entire way. And I said, Dave, this is, this is what's going on here. I said, if you really want to fix this, mm -hmm. let me help you a little bit here and let's move it. No, no, no. If we move this down, I can't, I can't, you know, this is how I sight in. And I'm like, okay, man, yeah, I'm just gonna, you do you, you know, yep. he comes in there yep. and drinks his coffee and shoots his, you yep. know, Olympic recurves or whatever and, and, yep. and whatever. But he, he does get frustrated that it's not going better for him. Correct. <laughs> you and, know, and, there, and you know, that definitely, you know, him aside, it happens, it happens a lot. Um, and you know, at that point, <clears throat> if they're not willing to, to change or learn, you know, then that's, then that's on them. Um, I don't, I don't yeah. necessarily like rub their nose in it, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll offer the advice or offer the help. And if they, if they just kind of respond with, nah, you know, I'm good. I'm like, okay, you know, that's all right. And more yeah. times than not though, eventually they'll come back and they'll, they'll be like, okay, what am I doing wrong? You know, what, what is it that's changing or what's, what can I do differently? And, you know, and then that's when, kind of give yourself a pat on the back and you're like well you know let's take a look let's see what we got going on and and you know dissect it but do you see um you said there's been we, or we've all seen like an influx in all kinds of outdoor activities you know archery hunting whatever but um yeah. 
what do you see is like the newest uh, kind of demographic, right? Is it still because, you know, a few years ago it was like, oh, women are the biggest uh, newcomers to archery and, and hunting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This last year, what, what, do, what are you seeing? You know, I don't know. Like, I guess just the biggest demographic change or the, or the newest demographic, so to speak, is just purely new shooters. Um, not talking, what I mean by that is um, didn't grow up in a hunting background or never shot a bow before or, you know, really have ever even thought about it. It's these, the last year has been just an absolute huge influx of uh, people that just kind of took a leap and was like, I'm going to get into a bow and never had any training, never shot one before, completely new to it. That's whether it's, you know, man, woman, child, um, it's, that's definitely been, been the biggest one, the biggest change that we've seen, um, which is great, which is awesome. A lot, um, it's kind of gave the archery industry the spike it needed. Um, and, you know, to obviously to pinnacle everything back, you know, sales are, have been skyrocketing and everything else through all these companies. Um, and it's, it's cool to see them get into it. Um, and, and, you know, whether, regardless of if they hunt or not, um, it's been a lot of like family activity that we've definitely mm-hmm. seen where, you know, the dad buys a bow and then the son buys a bow or he buys a bow for the son and then he gets his wife into it. And then the daughter tags along and, you know, it's, it's a cool family activity. And we, we do have quite a bit of them that are just recreational shooters, um, you know, have zero intentions of hunting. Uh, but it's it's cool to see that they it's an outdoor activity and it that's kind of how it started with the whole covid thing you know when we were kind of outdoor activities are okay but you couldn't really do anything else um we saw a huge influx of that because it was like well i can shoot a bow and you know we're fortunate enough in in the area that the work is in um there's a ton of outdoor ranges there um you know Mm -hmm. almost every town around there has one so it was obviously kind of an easy way for these people to get out and do some something cool and be outside and, and share the activity as a family too yeah i was in there um was it uh last week or a few days ago i can't remember um a guy and his buddy came in and uh one of their one of their girlfriends right so there was three of them the guy the two guys were shooting and the girlfriend was just kind of along for you know along for the ride kind of thing and and yep. um you know, lo and behold, you know, Jeff starts talking and said, hey, you want to, you know, you're welcome to shoot this, that, and the other. And uh, they brought up one of the, okay, I can't, is it the, not the Matthews, what's what's the, one of the starter bows kind of. The uh, Genesis. Yeah, one of the Genesis bows. Yep. And I tell you what, she started shooting, never shot a bow before, right? So they, you know, pulled the bail up to like 10 yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was having such a blast. Okay. By the end of it, the, the other two, I mean, shot for about 20 minutes, half hour or whatever. And they put their bows down and they were, you know, getting ready to leave. And then she's like, can I shoot another round? And they're like, yeah, you know, to shoot, shoot, shoot like five, six more. Can I shoot another round? Well, yeah. She's like, why didn't you take me to do this before? This is so right. much fun. And he's exactly. like, I never knew you'd like it, <laughs> you know, but she was still shooting like long after they'd hung up their bows. And she's like, this is awesome. Oh, you know, and that was good to see. That was really good to see because you got, whether she goes into hunting or not, you've got, you know, you, you kind of uh, brought in, I, I guarantee you she's going to end up with a bow because um, right. she just couldn't put the thing down. I mean, the smile on her face was awesome. Yeah. And it's, and that's, that's kind of the joy of it. You know, we get to see a lot of cool things happen with that. 
um, we've, we've mentored like plenty of new people into it. Um, there, you know, there's, there's people that you just had no idea, didn't know where to start, didn't know what to do, how to do it. You know, we got them into it and then they, they were persistent. They'd come in, they'd shoot their bow all the time and we get to talk and, and, you know, one gal in particular, she, she just wanted to get into it. And, you know, between Jeff and I and Joel and a few other coworkers, you know, we would show her the ropes, you know, every kind of free second we had. And she came in like every day and it kind of grew into like, now she, she wants to hunt, you know, she wants to try to hunt and she's, she's a great shot. Um, she's been shooting for like a year now, um, something like that. And she's, she's doing a compound bow. She's pulling probably 48, 49 pounds and, uh, she's going to try to go turkey hunt. Um, and she's, awesome. she even did, um, uh, Jeff kind of, my boss connected her up with some, some, um, friends of his and she went on, did some 3d shoots. Um, and you know, she, she's, she's a great shot. I mean, 20, 30 yards is, is a breeze for her now. And, um, so Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff's actually been kind of guiding her out turkey hunting and it's, it's just cool to see she's did not come from a hunting background at all. Um, her friends, even she's, she kind of jokes, says my friends are like, what, you're going to go hunting? Like, how could you do that? You know, like, yeah. that's so not you. And she's like, well, actually, you don't understand. Like, this is a lot of fun and it's actually really enjoyable. And, and she grew this huge, like this bond with, uh, as far as what Archer got her into, and, you know, and realizing that you know, not all hunters are just out, just kind of killed, killed joying, you know, everything. And, uh, yeah. Slobbering goobers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so she, it, it was cool to see. And that, and she's just one example. We've had a lot of that where, you know, we've, we've kind of broadened their horizons with it, just showing like, we're not all gun toting rednecks that just run around, shoot everything we see kind of thing. So it's, it's been, it's been cool to see. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of like a semi hard pivot here. And this, this is going to be, this is going to be a topic that's, that's uh, controversial in some circles. Okay. Uh oh. Crossbows, the dreaded C word. Oh, the C what, word. What, yeah. God, what, <laughs> what have you seen? Um, <clears throat> percentage wise let's say uh in let's just say well into 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 things new people coming in mm-hmm. uh wanting to shoot them that are no, like like well okay it's an archery shop well it's more than an archery shop but i consider it an archery shop sure. um in the broad scope of what some people would define as archery quote unquote and i say that with a little bit of gag in my mouth okay <laughs> um yep. versus uh people that have been shooting like actual bows mm-hmm. migrating over to a crossbow. What, what have, what have you seen in the last, I don't know, a year or two? I mean, I mean pandemic aside, um, yeah. it's, has been kind of, kind of shifting that way. Uh, what, what have you seen? So, yes. Yeah, so we do, we do sell crossbows. Um, which is why what? I could never, ever work there. Cause I couldn't in all good conscience sell someone. <laughs> I couldn't it, do it. <laughs> it, um, you know, it, majority of my clientele at least, so the Minnesota laws on a crossbow are um, you have to be over the age of 60 or have a dis to hunt the archery season uh, over the age of 60 or a disability permit. Um, if you're not 60 uh, or 60 or under, um, you have to have a disability permit. And then within the last couple of years, it kind of changed it to where you can uh, use a crossbow during a firearm season under a firearm tag. Um so Which that's is fine. Kind of, I'm 100 percent okay with that. But yep. you can use a crossbow in archery season. 
Correct. Yep. So and and you, those stipulations don't don't have to be there. You don't have to be disabled or uh, or over sixty. In Minnesota, you you have to. So as even for archery. Correct. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. I'm wrong about that then. No, that's all right. Um, so yeah. So let's say like if you wanted to hunt, you know, in September with a crossbow, you either have to be over the age of sixty or have a disability permit. Um, and if you aren't, don't meet those two requirements, you can still, this, the gray area is you can, well, obviously you can buy a crossbow. Anybody can buy a crossbow. Um, but as far as legality purposes for hunting with it, um, you have to be over the age of 60 or a disability permit until you get into November when, you know, it is the firearm season and down in our area here, it's a shotgun season. So you can hunt the A or B season, um, with a shotgun down here. And instead of using a shotgun, you could use a crossbow. Um, and that's kind of how that works. Or if you're up north in the rifle zones, you can, um, instead of using a rifle, you can use a crossbow. Um, so that's kind of how that works. Now, Wisconsin is different. And we do have quite a bit of um, customers that do have land in Wisconsin, cabins in Wisconsin, family in Wisconsin, et cetera. And Wisconsin, anybody can use one. Um, same thing, man, woman, child, elderly, non-elderly. I mean, everybody can use them over there. Um, and so as far as sales and stuff go in the last few years, I don't see majority of my, my crossbow clientele is the older community. Um, and you know, they're, they're over the age of 60 generally. Um, and they come in and, and you get kind of two sides of it. And, and sometimes you feel for them, you know, and, and sometimes you don't, but, uh, you get the, you get the type that is, um, they've never hunted with a compound bow in their life and they just, they rifle hunt and they see a crossbow. It has a scope. It makes sense. You know, this is how, um, this, this is the easiest, smoothest transition for them kind of thing is what, what that looks like. And then you get the other side, um, which, you know, honestly is probably more of my clientele is the guys who, you know, they've had every Matthews bow from the time Matthews came out and then or vertical bow, I should say, and then it comes to the point where they just, they can't do it anymore. You know, they, they, they can barely pull 40 pounds back, um, you know, and it kills them. And I see a lot of guys that are like, I never thought I would ever do this, but I, I'm going to have to hunt with a crossbow, you know? And so, and that how, that, how genuine do you think that is though? I mean, because, because I hate, I would hate to like sit there and, and right. call someone a liar if they genuinely have like some sort of medical condition, you know what I mean? Cause I'd feel like such an asshole, but right. I, to, to my mind, I mean, what does it really take to pull like the minimum weight here in Minnesota is 30 pounds. Okay. Yep. Um, I, again, this is just me thinking, okay. And I'm, yep. I'm completely just sputtering off here. It could be complete like BS, but <laughs> I think some of this is, um, a bit of ego. Uh, there's not a lot of guys that will say, yeah, I'm going to happy, I'm going to happily go pull a 35 pound compound because they I, don't want to be the stigma of like a kid's bow or women's bow. You know what I mean? That's yep. 35 yep. pounds. I'm going to go to this, uh, crossbow instead. Cause I can't shoot, you know, my, you know, 55 pounds on my compound and or 60 pounds on my compound anymore. Correct. Um, that's just me. Yep. Um, and I, I, that's just my suspicions for, for a lot, a lot of what's going on. And, you know, sometimes you can sometimes you can tell sometimes you can't um you know obviously they come in with like a physical ailment you know or you know that it you can tell obviously it's it's pretty apparent um and that makes sense for them sometimes you can't um you know and you never know 
um, it, I guess it's not my my job to um, kind of dissect why they're not shooting a compound. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in some ways, some of them look completely able body. Um, but once again, like we said, I I don't know their their you know their health history. I don't know what what brought them to this point. You know, and and I I, I, I joke around sometimes saying I'm I'm usually at work I'm like part therapist and part bow technician. And <laughs> so, sometimes sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. You know, and and as yeah. far as that goes, I I don't usually press it. Um, it's it, it is. I, I will say though, it's. I've sold a few compounds to the younger, like you know, guys in their 30s or 40s that are well able-bodied, and I know they are. Um, but they they are like, I just want this. I want to go hunt in Wisconsin. I want to go to my lease in Wisconsin and shoot this thing. And sure, you know, and that that's you and I are kind of in the same boat with that. Like I, you know, I will probably die holding a compound bow or or you know a vertical bow of some sort. Um, Unless it I really, really like, I said, if I absolutely had to, I had to. But um, it's it it is a different thing. And uh, the one thing I will say is the crossbow market is definitely the most uninformed market that I that I see. Um, you know, they, once once you start explaining how it works and how you have to properly maintain it and there's a lot that goes into them and they're not, I mean, in a lot of ways, a vertical bow is much more forgiving and some of that stuff. And, you know, they, they, they kind of, their eyes light up and they're like, well, really you, you have to do like all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, if you want to like maintain it and not have it blow up on you, you should probably do that. You know? Well that, I mean, like I've never really even like pick one up, but I mean, I've seen guys shoot them. I've seen guys carry them. First of all, they sound like a 22 going off. There's nothing yeah. quiet about those damn things. Yeah. Um, and they seem rather cumbersome and bulky. Like I can't imagine, uh, you know, walking around with one of those things, you know, through the woods. Um, maybe, maybe it's not as bad as I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, but I mean, and and they're heavy, you know, because I mean, again, you know, we, we call them cross guns. Okay, I mean, I have a big disdain for them, and because it's it, it's not. This is my opinion, not not Garrett's opinion, but it's not archery. Okay, to me, it is not just because it has limbs and it shoots a slow bullet that looks like an arrow. Um, it's not archery, in my opinion, and it doesn't belong in an archery season for able-bodied people. Um, I think it's the e- I think it's the easy button yeah. for a lot of people. And you know, my argument is, look, you know, uh, it it's not supposed to be easy. You know, the deer are supposed to win. It's supposed Correct. to be hard. That's why these um, archery seasons exist. That's why these archery seasons came to be, um, because the the um, the harvest rates were low. They're supposed to be low. The efficacy is supposed to be low. It's supposed to be hard to get close to uh, to, to these things. Yep. And you know the, the the counter argument from the pro crossbow crowd. You know, I've I've had this discussion with some people in the shop. There, they're like, well, uh, you know, if it's going to make you you know more ethical hunter. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an easier ethical kill, right? It's more accurate. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Well, if you're going to do that argument, if you're going to go with that argument, you're going to hang your shingle on that. Why not just carry it on to be like, well, you know what? Uh, a rifle is going to be even more effective than that because they're not ducking the bullet. Right. Okay. Right. Um, they may still duck a, cro- a crossbow, depending where it is and how far it is, and like, because yeah. like I said, the thing is loud when they go off. Yeah. But um, or you just you don't aim well or or whatever. But right. if you're going to go with that argument of a hey, it's a more efficient, quick kill, 
then you just go right to well, why why don't we just have just general open season with a with a gun? Everybody shoot what the hell they want in a week, and we'll only have a week long hunting season. Okay, right. and that's the problem. You know, yeah. when when harvest rates are so high, I mean, you're seeing this you're seeing this all over in western states where deer aren't as plentiful, and you know, and and draw tags are harder to draw. Um, the the areas or or, or, or certain um, uh, you know units and things like that that and states that people used to just go and get over the counter tags for now there's they're in a lottery and then the you know then then it's every like every other year then it's every like three to four years and yeah. it's because these things are you know it, it compounds too I'm not just you know uh, crossbows but at least for the compound um, yeah. so I'm going off on a soapbox here I, I swear I'm going to let you answer this. Um, <laughs> But with 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 a compound, even with a compound, yes, you can hold and you you draw back and you can hold for a long time. I get that, yeah. but you are still physically drawing the bow relatively near the time that the animal can bust you. It's all about whether the animal can physically see you like draw that bow, and if you right. have to let down or rearrange it or whatever, right? You're making movement. Yep. In my mind, like to to, to a lot of to to the pro crossbow crowd, they're like, oh well, those are detriments. They're going to see you do this. They're going to see you do that. To someone like me, they're like, yes, they're supposed to see you. So you're supposed to be better at what you do as a hunter to to, to not do that. You know what I mean? And then to fool them, which makes it extra hard. And yeah. making it extra hard means you harvest less, which means our seasons aren't as short and the tags are more plentiful. Right. And a soapbox. Yep. And it's, you know, it it is something that and I, I actually just had this conversation today with with uh with my coworker and I, I and i use this term the this analogy i guess with uh, the compound bows even you know it, things are getting so advanced um crossbows compounds i mean the only thing that's really been stationary as far as what it is is like traditional archery and um and i and i told my coworker, so you know i'm i'm half tempted just to <laughs> to set up a really old compound um with nothing fancy you know i'm talking 20 year old compound bow and just go back to that and just hunt with that for a season and just like see. a pse nova like i started out on yeah <laughs> 1998 like pse nova baby yeah <laughs> or like an old uh like you know an mq mq1 or Matt mm-hmm. mq1 or you know yeah something like that and and just go back and just prove that it can still do it you know and yeah there, there's nothing wrong with that and i you know it's the old saying is it's not what you use it's how you use it and and i have uh, you know i have numerous customers that have older equipment and they still they're great i mean they're great shots they they won't ever upgrade and they they harvest deer and elk and all these things with them and and you know and it just makes you think like keeping up with the joneses is kind of the how a lot of the things have been like the latest and greatest what's new what's cool what's you know what aids me and and it, you know and i'm I'm kind of like that i'm that with you too as far as like that goes on the compound side it's you know we got we got these compound bow sites now for you know a thousand eight hundred dollars that auto range and auto you know set pins for you and like stuff also like should be illegal in my opinion yeah and it's and the western states are good at that you know and um like the Garmin bow site, it's it's a great bow site um, as far as for it, the technology wise, um, but a lot of the, the Western states are like, nope, can't use that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. Some of them you can't even use a light on your site, whether it's an old old twenty year old site, you can't have a light on it. Um, well, in Montana, it. up until a few years ago, you couldn't use a lighted knock. Yeah, right. And I think Idaho, you 
don't quote me on it, but I don't think I don't think you can in Idaho still. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can use a mechanical broadhead in Idaho either. I think uh, that's still that's yep. still in process. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's there, it's it's out. It's it's just I think you know. Um, just like anything, right? There's there's like super super purists that want to just make yep. it as hard as possible, yep. um, and then there's there's guys that want to just go in and just want to shoot their deer. And right. again, I may sound like a hypocrite because I shot my deer with a rifle this year. Okay. Yep. Um, my only consolation is I call it a traditional rifle because it's like almost a hundred year old like battle rifle, but right. still it's a rifle, right? I mean, yep. it, it is leagues beyond uh, any bow that I've ever shot. Okay, no matter how right. old it is, it's still you know. Uh, yep you know, it's still a bullet. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it kind of goes over. I think, I think more of the, oh, the, the tradition, I'm not just talking traditional, but the traditions and the, um, what am I, uh, what's, what's the word here? The, um, the spirit of what archery should be, Mm -hmm. uh, needs to be revamped, be not even revamped, but just told to the, to, to the newcomers. You know, um, this, this is what you, if you want to do this, this is what really is a history of this. And if you get into it, it's really, really satisfying. And, and if you are successful, it's satisfying, but it's satisfying because you're successful by working hard at it. And I'm not just saying just shoot a trad bow. I'm saying, you know, get, get, get under, you know, 20 yards, 18 yards, whatever with your compound and, 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 and do that rather than try and pick some off something off at 50 yards. You know what I mean? If you can do that. That's fine, but to me, that's at that point is target archery, just like long range. Uh, you know, you can talk to me about long range rifle shooting. You know, guys that are, you know, um, we, I've heard of stories where you know guys are like 400 yards, 300 yards, and they're like, oh no, I just paid you know like five grand or ten grand for this Christensen Arms and you know, uh, yeah. you know Night Force or whatever scope combo, and I'm good yeah. to a thousand yards. I want to make the shot at 800, and they'll back up. Like, what yep. the fuck are you doing? You know, right. I mean, if you go, go show off at Thunder Ranch, if you're going to do that, but right. don't, you know, don't bring that into the hunting realm. Cause it's not, that's not hunting in my yep. mind, you yep. know? Yep. So and it's, yeah, you know, it's, uh, and there, you know, I guess there's a time and place for everything. I think a lot of it is, I don't, I don't know if this is the right word, but the intimacy of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you, if you take these long pokes and, don't get me wrong. There is some challenge in that. Obviously, there is, um, you know, there's some there's some skill involved. There is all that, but there's nothing like you doing your homework and you know setting like even like for turkey season right now. You know, it's I'm a diehard turkey hunter and and I do it with a bow. Um, but even turkey hunting, deer hunting, you know, a lot of this hunting aside, you know, the like the the concept of tricking them in their own you know, world, that's the, that's the kind of the drive, you know, you got to sneak in and, you know, go on, on, you know, or untouched or unseen, you know, and, and not disturb the area too much and kind of to just literally just kind of catch them off guard and get these close up shots. And it, it's so much cooler when you can see it all happen and, and, and unfold, you know, right behind you and right in front of your eyes and to see, close up bow kills um or bow harvest and then you know with turkeys tricking them that you are the hen that they've been looking for you know and yeah and get them right into 10 yards or you know however whatever close shot you get that to me that is why i do it you know and that is that is the pure joy of it now don't get me wrong i come from like a distance shooting background i i 
competed long range archery stuff, um, you know, for 3D tournaments. And, you know, I have shot animals, you know, for, I don't want to like hypocrite, but I have shot, you know, out West. Sometimes you don't get those close shots, you know, and you yeah. don't, and, and it's still the compound and it's not easy. Um, but my furthest whitetail uh, I've ever harvested as far as the archery shot was 53 yards of the compound. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I practice these shots. I know I can take them, but that was also the last three days of the season, you know, and it was, you know, me sitting down with the wife and like, oh, you know what would be really good right now? Back straps. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll go hunting tomorrow, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of at that point where at the end of the season, it's, it's a make or break thing. And, um, you gotta take what's given to you. And I understand that, but, but I think that's the biggest thing is, there's all these things and aids and hunting and just purely in, in the whole hunting industry or the outdoor industry is just everything's making it easier and easier and easier. And I guess that's kind of what, what I was getting at with um, setting up an old boat was just to, to go back to the roots of it, you know, and, and just show people that this can still, you can still get it done this way. It's not, this isn't rocket science. It's, I'm not setting the world on fire. This is how we've been doing it. And to just show that it is possible and you don't need all these gidgety gas, you know, or g- gadgets and gizmos on your bows and stuff in order to, to be successful. Uh, you don't. Um, it just comes yeah. down to hard work, um, your ingenuity, your dedication, your time, you know, and all that. And you can, it can happen. Okay. So um, two more things I want to talk about with you. Uh, one is, uh, for, for the compound guys that listen or that, that shoot both, um, what is a, like today, let's just say you were to pick one bow and I know you're not a dealer for everybody, right? Yep. But, um, in your shop, what would be, what would be your go-to bow? Cause I, uh, I can't remember which one you had me shoot, um, a while back. I think it was a PSC something or other. Oh, there was the NTN, right? The, The evil NTN. Yep. Yeah, that that felt like a really nice bow. I have no desire to buy one, you know. But I mean, I could definitely tell the difference between that one and then like the Matthews that that you yep. had me shoot. The Matthews just did not want to be in my hand whatsoever. It felt all wrong. Yep. Uh, the NTN I picked up, I'm like, oh, this is familiar. This feels uh, like it belongs in my hand, you know. Um, what what would be your what, what do you consider to be the top of the line from what you sell? So I'm. I'm kind of out of the, well, I guess I'm an outlier in this, um, due to my draw length, uh, and the poundage I shoot. Um, not necessarily, I don't have to shoot this high of poundage, but I generally shoot around anywhere from 75 to 80 pounds on a compound. Um, and everybody asks me that why, um, the best answer I have is cause I'm young and I'm dumb and you can. I can draw it and I can, you know, and yeah. I can do it comfortably. Um, the, but the biggest outlier I have is I, I have a 32 inch draw length. Um, and most compound, I shouldn't say all, but, uh, you know, very few compound bows, as far as new models go, um, accommodate that draw length. Um, so back again to kind of what we're saying is there's no one bow that has everything. You know, it seems like there's fits and feels that everybody, you know, likes differently. Um, in my opinion, the, the bow that I chose this year um, was the Matthews Atlas. And... Um, simply because a i think it's a great bow it fits me the best um it is a it goes from a 29 and a half to a 34 inch draw length and it's so it's kind of a 
it's kind of a custom, or I should say custom, but more derived towards guys with that longer draw length. Um, is it a target bow or is it a hunting bow? It so it I, never, is, I never heard of it. It's it's classified as their it's a hunting bow. It's okay. in their hunting lineup, um, and it's a so I, it's basically so in the Matthews lineup. I don't want to bore everybody here. I'm like talking about Matthews, but uh, they have four flagship bows this year. Um, it's the V327, which is 27 inches axle to axle. Um, then the V331, uh, which is what you shot. And then there's the Prima, which is a women's bow. Um, and then there's the Atlas, which is the one I'm talking about. Mm. Um, the Atlas is 34 and three quarter axle to axle. So it's kind of getting up there with what bows used to be. Um, I know everything's kind of gone shorter and more concise in the last few years. Um, but this is kind of getting back on that longer spectrum. Um, and it's got seven and three quarter inch brace height. So kind of getting closer towards those, you know, I know you're a trad guy, um, mm. getting, getting out there with the brace height. So obviously adding forgiveness to that compound. Um, and that's the bow I chose and I absolutely love it. It's a phenomenal bow. It shoots great. Um, so that's, that's my top pick because that's for me. Uh, I would say as far as, um, just let's say I'll, like a, I should say a standard person, but like a yeah, yeah, for a normal person, person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a monkey armed ape like me. Um, you know, it's, that's tough. Um, I, I like things about all of them. Um, the NTNU shot is, is a great bow. I think that has probably one of the smoothest draw cycles that I've felt. Oh, it's um, great. PSE has a great, they do a great job um, with that evolved cam and they, the let off, I mean, it's adjustable from 80 to 90% on um, the one you shot. Um, otherwise, they make a more aggressive mode one. Um, and that, that draw cycle is great. I can't argue with that. Um, the Hoyt this year, they came out with um, an aluminum and a carbon. The Ventum series is their aluminum, and the RX5 is their carbons. Um, I, I'm not, a, me personally, the draw cycle, I think I prefer the PSE more. Um, but the stability on the that Hoyt is, is great. The stability is there. Um, balance is really good. Um, draw cycle, obviously we talked about that. Uh, after shot feels good. Feels just like how it should. Um, so that's a great bow too. Um, and then you got the Matthews, the V3 series. Um, the 31, I, I think it's a great bow. It adds a lot of those, you know, features of the other two um but the thing that one has going for it is i in my opinion is the dead in the hand and the um the sound and the vibration you know just it kind of kills that it's not twangy it's not loud it doesn't have that hand shock or pop sound to it um and that's that's kind of in the realm of that bow that's a pretty killer bow there there's but, a so lot of could, guys shooting that that I see in that shop. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, again, it's 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 primarily. I'm gonna say a Matthews shop. You know, I guess it's a lot of Matthews stuff. But there's yeah. a lot of Matthews bows being shot in there. You know, that V in and, and it's kind of funny too because I mean I've been going there for years and yeah. you can see the progression of you know the guys who get like the new one every year, the flagship every year yeah. because you know it used to be you know the the, the was it the Halon and then it used to be yeah. the uh what 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 came after that like the uh, uh for the matthews it was, so was the well the halon the halon 32 um the triax then it triax was the, that's it yeah yeah then the the verdicts and then the vxr and then this year's the v3 right yeah so yep. <laughs> and you know and they're sweet looking bows and stuff but i mean and whatever i mean i more power to them you know if they want yep. if they want to yep. get the latest and greatest and uh you know kind of kind of chase that 
that flagship stuff that's that's kind of cool so yeah, but yeah, i mean the, to your point you know you can go kill anything on the planet with you know I've, i i say this all the time with 139.99 samix age you know yeah, anything yep. from then on is completely yep. just aesthetics and feel and, yep. and 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 you know your wallet i guess correct and that i mean there's there's bows i mean and that's just and like you know, once again, like we talked about, if, the, if we could mix and match all these bows and make one, I mean, you could have it all, but obviously you can't have that. Um, and there's there's even bows, you know, that I've shot that, um, like that we, we sell this Quest Centec bow. Um, it's a $580 package. You get the bow, the sight, the rest, the quiver, I mean, everything there. And that bow shoots great for, for a $500 bow. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it shoots awesome um and then you know you got the hoyt hoyt makes what they call a torex series and that's um you know like 700 hundred dollar bow and that thing shoots awesome um it, it's just it's funny you just like we just said you can you can kind of mix and match and pick and choose but i mean it, it just really honestly when every customer comes in you know they say hey i want to buy a bow i say you know obviously do you know your draw length and if they don't we, we check it um, do you know your eye dominancy? And obviously they don't, we check that. And then, then the next biggest thing is price range. I, I say, what price range do you want to, you know, stick with? And if they say open pocketbook, or if they say, you know, I want to try to get everything for 600 bucks or whatever it is, I start showing them bows in these, in this realm and they're in their, in their, you know, market, so to speak. And, um, you know, and, and everyone's different. You know, I'll, they'll ask, say, well, what do you think about these? And I say, you know, and I kind of just tell me, well, this one has a great draw circle. This one has, you know, awesome stability. This one has this. And it's not my job to tell them what to buy. Um, I leave it up to them. I say, you know what? I'll set up as many bows as you want that you're comfortable with that price range. And you tell me, honestly, when it comes down to it, you pick. And and it's it's never the same answer twice, usually. It's... um you know, it's, it's this one or that one or this one or that one, or, uh, sometimes they get surprised. I've, I've had diehard Hoyt guys say, I'll never shoot a Matthews. Um, I, whatever I'm brand loyalist to Hoyt and I just have them try. So, you know, what? just, just try, just try it once. And if you hate it, I'll, I'll get rid of it. And they were like, wow, I was actually surprised at how much I like that. Yeah. You know, and I've obviously had the vice versa. I've had guys shooting Matthews for the last how many years and they try Hoyt or PSE and they're like, wow, actually that PSE was sweet that thing shot really well and i'm like yeah it's that's why i do this you know it's try it out don't be afraid to step outside the box regardless of what your buddy says or what the pretty lady on tv tells you to do you know just just shoot something and and figure out what you like yeah it's amazing how um uh you know stuff stuff feels as well and how how much it changes but i mean i i've i've never i'm not i'm not trying to bash matthews uh more power to them i've never had a matthews that actually felt like i've I've test shot them i've never had one that i wanted to shoot more than once right um they just don't for some reason i don't know what it is they just don't balance in my hand right um you know p that i think you had me shoot that carbon pse one too um there too uh and that draw cycle i didn't like it on that one but it's it's they've they've tamed it down so much from let's say like like the dna you know um and and what was the other one the extreme not what is anyway whatever like when they were going through there you know we got to have the most aggressive crazy like gonzo cam kind of thing and that's that's kind of you know luckily you know thank goodness that's kind of well if that's what you want that's great but you know i I think they've kind of tamed that down a little bit so um 
but there's it, but it just seems like there's not a ton of like there's there's innovations it seems like in in um, adjustability for mm-hmm. you know poundage and and draw length and that kind of stuff where it's not requiring uh, you to press the bow it's more user adjustable that kind of stuff yep. but it yep. doesn't seem to be like gigantic leaps and bounds like uh, you know speed and because uh, you can only make a bow so dead in the hand you can only make get so much speed out of you know essentially um, and the rest of it is just going to come down to aesthetics and and adjustability right yeah yeah I mean for the most part it's it's funny a few years ago um and you you've probably been you know shooting ball long enough to realize we we talk about these trends this this the market trends and mm-hmm. for the longest time you know it was the speed game it was yep. who can shoot the bow or like the lightest fastest arrow you know and and get these crazy speeds out of their bows and there was a time where it was like you know we hit like 366 feet per second as a and don't quote me on that might not be the fastest but i remember seeing 366 ibo on a compound bow and i said wow that is like ridiculously fast and that's crazy and now you look at the majority of the bows in the market um there's like this 340 something kind of sweet spot. Yeah. And and it it ranges. Some are three in the 330s, some are in the, maybe in the 350s, but it's kind of a lot of them are in like 340 to 349, we'll, we'll call it. Um, but there's this term that gets thrown around a lot, and it's um, it's called efficiency. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and it basically what I what <laughs> I tell a lot of people is it's it means that you're gaining but not losing. Um, you're gaining a smoother draw cycle without, you know, losing the, the speed you're, you're gaining able to draw more poundage because of that without, you know, having to kill your shoulders. Um, you know, the dead in the hand, I think what's kind of happened is they chased the speed game for so long, but the bows were very unforgiving and had a lot of hand shock and had a lot of snap sound to them. And, and, you know, and then, then they kind of went with you know, some companies went in a different realm. Uh, I know in the Matthews, like the no cam came out, it was, they it kind of got dubbed the slow cam. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. called it that it was not a fast bow, but it was one of the smoothest they made at the time. And it was really quiet, really dead. And it was extremely accurate and it had a pretty decent brace on it. Um, and now they're, <clears throat> they're kind of taking both of those spectrums and a lot of companies and they're kind of mixing them and to see what, what's going on and back to the whole trial and error thing we talked about i feel like that's what these companies are doing too it's like well let's try this you know what's worse yeah. happen? you know it obviously if it blows up that's horrible but if it you know let's let's see what happens if we do this brace height with this cam let's see what happens if we do you know this uh axle the axle with um you know this brace height with this model you know or, or reinventing a cam um I think that's a lot of it now, but I I can honestly say my, the Atlas that I just got compared to my older bow, um, same poundage, the Atlas does draw smoother and it, and it does, it's more stable. It's more dead. It's, you know, these things, it just comes down to obviously, is that worth it to you? Is that, you know, is it worth the upgrade? I, I tell a lot of people the bow and the bow market is a lot like TVs, you know, you buy that new, and and uh, this is horrible. I'm not up in the TV market, but um, you see the 4K ultraviolet, um, you know, 4K ultraviolet, whatever it is, and then you buy that, and you're like, yeah, I got the best TV out there. And then the next year they come out with a 
I'm gonna exaggerate here, but like an 8K crazy super ultraviolet, and you're like, what? I need that, and it's like, yeah, this thing sucks. Yeah, wow, why did <laughs> I buy that? And you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. But um, we we you know we see that a lot, and every year they do get better, um, and they do whether it's slight, whether it's drastic, whether it's you know this or that. Um, it you see it and and it's it's not i mean it's up to you whether you think it's worth it you know um like when matthews when the verdicts bow came out and i and i think we talked about this but when they came out with that switch weight cam um that was revolutionary it was it was crazy and to me because i'm kind of a bow nerd and i and i deal with that all day but it was to see that where you can change poundage let off and draw length by a module Mm-hmm. without changing the performance of your bow with always keeping your tolerances tight your limb bolts all the way buried um that was huge i thought that was in, insane that was really cool to see yeah. and then you got obviously PSE that when they came out that evolve cam i mean you drew it it's it's very smooth and to be able to change 80 90 or excuse me 80 85 90 percent let off on that same cam without having to replace anything was awesome yeah. and to be able to change the module by draw length every half inch from a short drawing to a long drawing because it's pretty cool too so it things are getting better and better um like i said it just comes down to the operators if if they notice it or want to do it or want to spend the money for it or not yeah and then i think it's gonna be a double-edged sword probably good for you because uh you're gonna sell that bow and then people are gonna go back and you know d- it's like the thing of having enough rope to hang yourself with. Right. <laughs> so, so they start, they're going to mess with stuff and they're like, oh man, I, I, I got this all out of whack. You know, just because right. it can be adjusted doesn't mean that you should be adjusting it, you know, if you don't yes. know what you're doing. But yes. so, all right, I'm going to do one last kind of hard, hardball question for you here. And, uh-huh. uh, Okay, and then and then it'll let you go because we're only like an hour and hour and twenty three minutes. You can answer this really really quickly in one minute. I'm sure we can solve all the world's problems. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Arrow weight versus speed. Simple question, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that a lot. That is one of the biggest questions, and I am by far, I do not know everything. Um, but um. Actually, we were talking about this today too. I, I think we actually talk about it every day, pretty much. But um, there was a there's a YouTube series um, or a channel called Elk Shape. I don't know if you watch that. Mm. Um, but there's there's these guys, and it's a really actually I, I follow them a lot. Like we kind of talked about when you find somebody you like, and the concepts there, and they and they you know they put it to work, and it, and it shows is it's great. But these guys, their channel's called Elk Shape, and um, they did a 460 to a 660 arrow build um and they did you know a test with as far as like distance trajectory penetration that kind of stuff um and showing the you know the benefits from one or the other and they settled on actually um 460 was the better arrow um for the for what they had found now that's their opinion um but it was really cool to see the drop difference from uh, they shot it at 50 yards and shot it out to 70 yards um, to see the drop compensation between just that 200 grains of arrow um, to basically go from obviously the whatever the 460 to the 660. Um, it was it was crazy and the and the penetration difference is pretty nuts too. Um, and that's like so that's what they did and that's what they found and and it was cool and I we were talking about it with some customers today but. 
uh, I know you and I have talked about this a lot and there's, there's people in the industry that um, will say one over the other. Um, I'm a balanced, I'll, I'll just put it out there. I'm a, I'm a balanced arrow guy. Um, I always have been, I like to shoot an arrow that's got um, a decent amount of weight, but still not, I don't have to have four feet of drop from 40 to 60. Um, and I, and I boost my FOC a little bit. Um, typically for my setup, I shoot like a 60 grain outsert and a hundred grain head. Um, so roughly, you know, 160 up front, obviously give or take whatever yeah. tolerance. Um, and then, um, I shoot a, the arrow I shoot is a deep six full metal jacket. It's a four millimeter, uh, diameter, uh, also one, six, six people call it. Um, and I've had, I've had phenomenal luck with it. I've, uh, knock on wood. You can probably hear me knock on it. My dog's barking. Um, but, uh, Hey buddy, this is me. Um, but, uh, I've had phenomenal luck with it. It's really worked well for my setup. And I, and you know, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, uh, once I find something that works great, I don't, I don't change it. Um, that's just my opinion. And, um, so, Hey, cheddar, my dog's name is cheddar, by the way, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so it, what, what's your total weight coming at then? Have you, have so, you weighed it or? Yes, I have. So for my setup, it's um, now, once again, I don't want to say the number and have her be like, whoa, that's really heavy. Um, my specs are 32 inch draw um, and I shoot 80 pounds. Um, so my arrow setup is actually around like 620. Um, yeah. But that is a full length arrow and a 250 spine. Um, well, it's a 280 spine full metal jacket. And I actually use what we've, we've talked about is I use a solid fill material um to help stiffen that spine up to kind of micro tune it and um I wait mean, yeah, I, I don't think you use what now it's it's called a it's this material well it's basically these tubes you put in your arrow and you heat oh, up okay it yep, your yep. solid fill or whatever i don't know what they call it anymore um i, I anyways, just for i in in the in the trad world i know they sell arrow tubes they're called arrow tubes yep I don't, I don't know if it's the same stuff or not but yeah it goes in your arrow just to add some add some weight Yep, add some weight and just stiffen the spine up. Yeah, you basically slide it down the knock side, and they can. I use kind of like a heat gun or a blow dryer and just heat it up, so it kind of fills, or mm-hmm. thickens the wall, so to speak. Um, but anyway, so that's that's my setup. Um, I kind of did like a rough calculation. It'd be like um, the average person shooting around a 420 grain arrow or 430 mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah, as far as grains per pound. Yep, yep, that kind of thing, and uh, that's that's what I found to be great. Um, I have a lot of friends that are, are bow hunters as well. And seems like anywhere from like 430 to 460 is most of what most of them are running. I do have some that are running that heavy arrow setup. Um, and, you know, they've had good luck with it. And they, they're happy with that. Um, to me, and we, we have talked about this, is when you go up or down with, let's say, you know, kinetic um, or weight, you lose the other. Um, Mm -hmm. and obviously the further apart you get, the worse it's going to be. Um, and so in my opinion, there's, there's kind of three arrows, three arrow builds and, and they're totally, you know, dependent on what you're going to do or what setup or what you're going to hunt, especially, um, you got your, your heavy kinetic punch arrow. You got these arrows that are weighing in anywhere from 500 to I'll say 700 grains. 
And, you know, obviously that's more designed towards the guys that are guys or gals that are going to shoot close range, 20, 30 yard shots. Um, typically like whitetail hunting, stuff like that. Um, then you got your kind of middle of the road arrow and that's my setup. You know, you don't have a ton of drop trajectory. It's a decent weight to it. Um, and that's, that's going to be good for all around whatever you want to do. Um, I, I use that setup for whitetails. I use it for, you know, if I go mule deer hunting, uh, elk hunting, antelope hunting, whatever, um, I'll probably shoot that arrow. Um, then the third setup would be kind of that the right now, which is the outliers, that light fast arrow. Um, and that's going to be great for distance stuff. Um, coming from what I've done in the past and done distance shooting, you know, obviously you, the heavier that arrow gets, you don't want to, you don't want to make that difference is if you misjudge five or 10 yards, you don't want it to be two feet. You want it to be a couple inches or six inches or, you know, minimize that gap as much as possible. Um, so that's kind of where that plays in on that. Um, now, what, what about the, um, the, the idea that, uh, okay, so a, a heavier, a heavier arrow, yeah, it's slower to start, but because it's yeah. got so much mass, it yeah. slows down at a slower rate. Okay. So by the time, let's say, uh, you know, you may not be shooting out this far, but let's just say by the time it gets out to 40 yards or something like that, the, yeah. the lighter arrow has lost way more speed than the heavier arrow does so that the impacts are not that much different, you know, going up, going up and, uh, you know, cause, cause it just kind of carry, carries that ass as, 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 as they call it, you know what I mean? Yep. Whereas yep. the lighter one decelerates a lot quicker. Um, have you, have you found that to be the case at all or, you know, I guess yes and no. Um, I know, and we've talked about this too, but I think diameter of arrow has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally, the arrows I shoot are 166. Um, I have found, you know, that it's, it's kind of the old, like the wrecking ball theory, you know, mm-hmm. the wrecking ball is really slow, but when it hits, it still pushes through that yeah. building and, and it, you know, it keeps going. Whereas, you know, you take a bullet and you shoot into that building, it's going to be really, really fast, but it's going to go in only a little bit. Right. Uh, I think to that extent, it kind of depends on, you know, your FOC, your arrow setup. And obviously too, the biggest thing, and I guess the, the biggest thing out of all this that I'll say is you can't just build an arrow to build an arrow unless you look at your bow. Um, I see this a lot where guys go over the peak of their kinetic calculator and they don't have enough oomph behind that arrow, so to speak. And they're, they're losing what they think they're, they should have, you know, mm-hmm. the kinetic. Um, so, you know, you got to look at that too. That's a huge thing. You know, if you're shooting a really slow bow, low poundage, um, or lower, let's say 50, 60 pounds, somewhere in there, I, I wouldn't recommend going with the 700 grain arrow. Um, that's just me. Um, that's, that's going to hurt you a lot more than I think it's going to help you. Um, this is my opinion. If you, let's say maybe meet in the middle, you want to go like maybe six, maybe five fifty, Um, and you're going to, you're going to shorten the trajectories out a little bit more. That's going to help your kinetic on the end of that arrow too. Um, mm-hmm. you got enough push to at least help penetrate the animal, hit it harder than, you know, hard as you want to hit it. Um, and still aid in a pass through or, you know, pushing through the vitals of that animal. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think that's uh, <clears throat> just in a nutshell. You got to look at what's behind the arrow before you kind of make a judgment on which weight slash setup you should go with. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, there, there's just there's just so much, you know, so so many factors factors to this, you know, and it's uh, it, and what makes it in a good way, what makes it hard is that apparently all of these work, right? When they work, they yes. work, and when they don't, they don't. Yeah. Um, you've 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 heard stories of guys with like a 380 grain arrow, uh, you know, zipping all the way through a bull elk at like 50, 60 yards. Yeah. Um, and you've also heard it, you know, stopping in a shoulder blade on a whitetail at like 10 yards. Right. You've also heard the exact same thing with uh, like a 700 grain arrow, uh, you know, busting through both uh, both front shoulders. Yeah. And you've also heard it, you know, bouncing off, you know, hitting and yeah. and, and just yeah. you know bouncing off. So, um, yeah, I think the just kind of. I mean, it's so cliche, but it comes down to. You know, if you hit them in the right spot, it really is not going to matter. It's just you're trying to build your arrow for, you know, as much uh, if, if you don't get it just right. How much of an insurance policy in, in weight do you want versus uh, giving up all the other stuff? And I think, you know, like you said, just just balance, I guess. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I think with the compound, I tried to be around like 450-ish was like really good for me because I was only shooting 55 pounds out of the bow. It's not all that fast a compound bow, you know. It right. wasn't exactly known for speed. Um, out of my, out of my trad stuff, I, I like to be around like 500 and, you know, 30 to 560 grain. That's yep. what I like with the poundage that I shoot because it gives me a good sight picture for trajectory and stuff. So, um, yes. yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of all over. I just, I just kind of wanted your, you know, um, your, your opinions on that. Cause you get to talk to a whole lot more people than I do. Uh, you know, like we said at, in the beginning of this, like kind of like hanging around the barbershop, just, just bullshitting about, you know, this hunt or that hunt and who shot what with, with, with what equipment and what were the results, you know? Exactly. Yep. So you see a lot of people come through there. So you, you have a bigger kind of database to pull from. So, yep. And that's, yeah. that's hundred percent it, you know, and I, I guess I'll sum it up with when we talk about aero builds with customers, you know, I ask them a few questions, um, you know, what's your typical shot distance, you know, and, and what, hunting style do you mainly do you know tree stand whitetails on west mule deer you know whatever it is um and then we gauge it off of that you know and then obviously i look at the bow um i say you know what poundage we're drawing through you at what bow you shooting um and we we try our best to get them fit in the best setup um whether it is that heavy arrow whether it is that middle of the road whether it's a lighter arrow um you know that all plays in on it and that's what's huge. I think that's the misconception a lot of people get is regardless of what, you know, brand or whatever the online celebrity, whoever's telling you what to do, you got to look at, are you able to do that? And, you know, we talked, we said this earlier too, is it's not a cookie cutter setup. It's something that's different for every person. And, yeah. you know, for me, if I were to go to way more FOCM arrow, I couldn't, you know, it's, it comes down to the point where I'm already at a pretty stiff spine. I, I would, I would have to throw a chunk of rebar down there if I wanted to boost that arrow weight way up and, right. and, you know, that FOC way up. And that's just something I don't want to do. Um, maybe sure. Yeah. Like you said, if I'm going to shoot 20 yards and be done with it. Um, great. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing that comes down to, you know, and, and just, just look at, look at your setup more and, and 
do a little more reading and, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool and interesting to see. And I, and I enjoy it hearing all these different perspectives of that is, you know, what grain or what total air weight should I be in? You know, or what, what, what should I do or what's best for my setup is, you know, versus you see, I need 500 grains or, Oh, I need 600 grains. I need 700 grains, you know, to, to do this. It's no, you, you don't actually, you just, you should be right around here would be probably best for you, you know, kind of thing, but right. Right. But absolutely. Yep. Cool. All right, man, we are an hour and 38 minutes into this. So, uh, unless you can think of anything else, we should probably wrap this up. Is there anything that, that, that you want to cover that, uh, we, we haven't talked about or. I, th- I think we made a good cover. <laughs> You know, we haven't maybe. even touched on broadheads. That's going to be for part two. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, for part two, we'll have plenty more to talk about. Probably another hour and forty minutes worth. Oh but. Jesus, I'm sure just just on that alone. So yeah, no. I mean, anything else you want to cover? Any uh, kind of comments or whatever for people that are coming into a bow shop or? No, you know, I think uh, I, I guess the biggest thing I'll say is you know, at least in our shop, and, and don't be afraid to ask you know people for help with that stuff. Um, whether it's our bow shop or the bow shop near you you know, just, just talk to these guys about it. You know, we're, we're always here to help and we're happy to help. Um, regardless of, like I said, uh, whatever anybody tells you what to do, you know, formulate your own opinion and, and go from there. And always, like I said, you know, have fun doing it. That's the biggest thing. There you go. Well said. All right, buddy. Um, you hang on with me for a minute here. I'll, uh, I'll do the wrap up here. So, uh, thank, thanks for coming on. I, I really do appreciate it. This worked out great again. Cause it's, we're doing this. It's almost midnight. And, uh, when you said, Oh yeah, I can do it late at night. I'm like, perfect. Cause that's kind of works for me. So that's awesome. That's- um, definitely go check out your local bow shop. If you're in anywhere in the Southwest Metro in Minnesota, definitely come check out cabin fever. Uh, if, if you haven't heard of it, well, no, well, you will, because, uh, pretty much it's it's kind of a staple around here. I mean, everyone kind of goes. There. I'm really lucky uh, that I live, like I said, literally three minutes away um, to be able to to come in there. A great bunch of people, and um, yeah, like you said, ask questions. Don't be afraid. Don't you know? Don't think people are gonna uh, sit there and, and tell you like uh, I, I've never had that experience in any bow shop. Like, oh, this idiot doesn't know what they're talking about. And you guys, I'm there enough. I'm to, I'm I'm vouching for you and and the shop. Like, I've never heard you guys try to like sell uh, you know a, a stupid expensive bow to a brand new person that doesn't know any better. You know, like you're there's there's no shysterism going on in any no, of these places, and that's that's very uh, that's 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 very good to see. So. So, all right. Okay. So, uh, guys, thanks for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, if you like this episode, leave a rating. Really, really important. Sharing is really, really important. Uh, Instagram is probably probably the best. That's how everything grows. So, with that said, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks.